You're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the opinions, legal intent, or nature of Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions, Congress Wealth Management LLC, or their senior management. Please note that Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions is a division of Congress Wealth Management, LLC. Congress Wealth Management, LLC is an SEC RIA based in Boston, Massachusetts. For additional information about Congress Wealth Management, LLC, please visit our website at www.congresswealth.com or visit the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching with Congress's CRD number 310873. Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions, Congress Wealth Management LLC, and their senior management believe this information in this program to be accurate and reliable but does not warrant it as to completeness or accuracy. Due to rapidly changing market conditions and the complexity of investment decisions, supplemental information and other sources may be required to make informed investment decisions based on your individual investment objectives and suitability specifications. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such. No portion of this program is to be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell a security or the provision of personalized investment tax or legal advice. Investing entails the risk of loss of principal. Hello, everybody. Uh, This is Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host for another episode, Ryan Carroll. Uh, My guest today is probably not new to many of our listeners as he's a well-known personality industry, uh, which I think speaks to his uh, ability to work and provide insights, hopefully, uh, like he is today for us. And that's Chris Wynn from Advisor Assist. Chris, it's great to have you today on the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you having me. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and and I thought about, you know, introducing you. Uh, You're someone who I would say doesn't need an introduction in some circles. Um, But why don't you go in and just for people who might be new to the industry, listening to the podcast for the first time, why don't you jump in and introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about Advisor Assist. Sure. Well, well, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, So uh, my name's Chris Wynn. Um, I founded Advisor Assist back in 2006 um, after many years in the institutional space one of the key things that I found along the way is as advisors, and we saw an early movement towards uh, entrepreneurial businesses in the advisory space, but the regulatory landscape was changing quite a bit, first starting back in 2002 with Sarbanes-Oxley, and then in 2004, the SEC implemented the CCO rule, which requires each firm to have one. And that was really a, you know an epiphany moment for me where I saw not every firm has, um, you know, an army of lawyers on retainer and, and millions of dollars to spend on consultants to go tick and tie every aspect of the business and try to map it into how they operate. So that was really the, you know, the core of how we de- designed it. And 
you know, what you, what you probably noticed by the name is we're not advisor assist compliance uh, in the name. And really it's, it's by design. Um, you know, we designed the business to be a, a compliance and risk management firm that has very well uh, focused on helping advisors with all things risk management. So how does operations tie into their business? How does technology, uh, how does technology aid in risk management and the effectiveness and efficiency of a compliance program? But then all and most important is why are we doing this? Is it, are we just doing it to make the regulators happy? Or does this tie into enterprise value and strategy and, and really helping to build and grow the firms? So the, that, that's why kind of we, we, we do kind of use the, you know, the taglines of uh, build, grow, protect, and optimize uh, for our firms. And that's what energizes us uh, you know, each day when we're working with all of our advisors. Awesome. Well, well uh, we appreciate your time and and um, and sort of the the background of the firm there. Um, you know, and I think obviously as you talked about the general arc of sort of where you guys started and how it sort of develops. Uh, you know, you bring up a couple of good points. Um, I guess for us today, maybe Chris, let's start with you know I, I want to sort of do this as an update, right? I know you've been a guest of the podcast a few times, um, and you're you're fairly well known in the industry. Sort of, what do you see out there? in the ever-changing nature of sort of compliance and, and, and advisors and their businesses that you're hearing a lot from, you know, prospective clients or clients of, of the firm, um, things that you guys are perceiving as sort of emerging issues or emerging themes, and, and we could sort of go from there. Sure. Well, you know, it is a very, uh, very dynamic landscape. Um, as you know, we are seeing a lot of factors that have played into the acceleration of the, the growth of the RIA segment. Uh, the, and those are, you know, it's really from every angle. So first, just the natural uh, move towards independence um, was solid and a, was a solid, uh, you know, continuing movement prior to, uh, prior to COVID, you know, hitting us, uh, uh, you know, in 2020. And, but, you know, that has also fueled a lot of people rethinking what business looks like. So we have numerous factors from succession planning, which I know, you know, obviously is near and dear to your heart as well. Yep. Um, we have advisors that are looking to uh, make themselves more effective and efficient. We have advisors that have, um, by and large, um, redefined their roles and responsibilities and their effectiveness through, um, you know, planned and or forced work from home scenarios. And we have the aging of the advisor, you know, population and all these are coming together and it's creating this perfect storm. Then you layer on the regulators and, you know, no disrespect intended, but now the inefficiency of being, of moving from place to place and firm to firm was eliminated from those reviews. So many of the regulators started doing their reviews remote. And, and the, end, the end result was, you know, more activity, significantly more activity that creates a, you know, ever-changing need on the compliance front for existing RIAs, but also just has made it so much more appealing, you know, coupled with the ecosystem out there for people to take that leap. So, the, you know, the, the partners, the tools, the products, and, and, and everything that's available to an advisor today you know, just compared to even two years ago is, is significantly in, uh, enhanced, making it easier to build, to build the next chapter of their business. 
And, and uh, I, I sort of figured that at some point, you know, hopefully uh, in our conversation, you know, the, the theme of technology, right? The two themes of maybe technology and COVID, as we're seeing them across, you know, the rest of our, all of our own individual lives, as well as professional lives, you know, it sounds like that's probably changed the way that, you know, you work with clients um, and what you sort of advise them on when it comes to, um, you know, working with regulators, strengthening their business, all those sorts of things. You know, what are some maybe some some uh, so specific, specific, excuse me, specific, um, you know, areas where that's changed and that you guys have worked with, you know, potentially clients on sort of saying, hey, here's what you guys used to do or here's what the regulators used to do. And here's, you know, what we think going forward might be good and, and might work for all parties involved. Well, sure. I mean, let's let's break that down into, you know, new firms and established firms. You know, on, on the front end, the, uh, you know, getting businesses up and running. Um, one of the key dynamics, of course, is the volume of people that are uh, making the decision, making the leap to, to build and design their own business. So with that, it actually, it, it changes a little shift in the in the business planning uh, and selection around the, the the you know the partners the timing the sequence the departure uh, so we are encouraging firms to put a little bit more time into the transition the planning transition and execution process just to make sure that they're not rushing it um, with respect to you know resources at their partners the technologies the custodians. And to give themselves more training, you know, the more the more options that are out there, the more firms can take advantage of the you know the tools, technologies, and and product sets that are out there. So we, we want to have firms. While the the compliance and regulatory side of it can can always move and fit the overall timeline, um, the complexity of it, you know, uh, not not necessarily the complexity, the options that are out there. Um, you know, would suggest taking a little bit more time is, is advantageous. Now, from an established firm, uh, the, you know, this is really where it gets very exciting. You know, you, you have firms that have, you know, designed and built their, their businesses, and now we have an opportunity here to incrementally improve the business without having, without having to fully retool or throw away any decisions that were made, you know, one, two, three, five or more years years ago, just due to, you know, the sophistication and availability of resources from partners. From a compliance standpoint, um, the regulators are out there in full force. Uh, but the good news is like they're not, the, the, you know, the, the regulators have not changed their position and attitude towards registered investment advisors. It's, it, it's not the Wild West. Firms are expected to meet and follow all the securities laws. And they're expected to have a CCO and a team that is focused on identifying issues and, and having the wherewithal to fix them and correct them without having to be told by the SEC or the state. Okay. And, and I think, you know, you did a great job sort of breaking it down and segmenting, you know, the industry a little bit there. Um, and I appreciate that. I think maybe in another way, would there be different challenges that would be, um, that are evolving depending upon the size of the firm? Would that throw sort of a monkey wrench into or, a, or an added step or added difficulty, whether you're a small independent advisor with, you know, 40 million in assets under management versus a, you know, maybe a, a billion dollar firm? Yeah, well, there's, there's absolutely differences. And I think the key thing are the differences in how you approach it 
uh, how you approach the the challenge, how you capitalize on your your resources and make your decisions. So while rules may be somewhat similar, you know, there's a general divide between um, SEC and state registrants. So firms that are under a hundred million versus firms that are hundred million and above yep. the SEC. Um, the expectations of a state registrant um, aren't necessarily less than that of an SEC registrant, but they are technically different. And, and really it's usually around the people, the headcount, the resources. Okay. So as firms, as firms start to grow, um, they, you know, and this isn't an absolute, but as firms start to grow, you know, the number of clients that are being served, the complexity the, you know, the complexity of the client relationships tend to move in correlation. And you know, like every firm, people are looking to grow and turn it into a business and not keep it a practice. Now, of course, there's both out there in the industry. Yep. But speaking for those that are that are trying to build a business with enterprise value, um, you know, it, it, as you get bigger, it's tough, tougher to have uh, roles that are duly hatted. So like a chief compliance officer, that's also the CFO or who's also the, the, an owner who's also the chief operating officer who also is serving clients. So you wake up each day with, you know, full of energy, which challenges do you tackle? Today might be a great day to dive into a lot of risk management, um, but then the phone starts ringing and we can't control the markets or, so it's, it, it's very dynamic. The firms that are, as the firms get larger, we're seeing their ability to fill those resource gaps, obviously easier, but they, you know, simultaneously are getting also filled with um, other aspects of their, you know, their growth. Got it. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think to try to sort of think of this from a couple of different angles, you know, even in our own work at Congress Wealth Management, you know, I think maybe at some level, um, other advisors might be, you know, thinking, "Hey, how does this?" Uh, Trying to connect this to really, right, a really interesting idea. You said all of these things. How do they feed into enterprise value, right? And sort of helping your business scale and grow. And so, you know, at Congress Wealth, we've had you know tremendous growth over the past you know handful of years. And and one way that I think, um, in some instances, on the you know business generation side, right, or the prospecting side, when you're trying to work with new clients. You know, how would you, I guess, you know, sort of phrase or what sort of tidbits would you point out as to how this can help, you know, if firms marketing, hey, we are, you know, obviously we're following all the rules, but here's why that is a benefit to you as a client. Is there, there's a ways that you think about that with, with uh, firms that you work with or clients of yours? You know, absolutely. You know, there's a few things that immediately come to mind, but first just tying it into how, where we started the conversation I think one of the key things are firms that have, uh, you know, generally more resources can actually have someone that plan that that puts effort into and dedicates themselves to marketing and advertising. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, and no disrespect to all my friends in the industry, that financial services people aren't the best marketers compared <laughs> yep. to other industries, right? <laughs> uh, and you know, and and I could say that because what's even worse, our compliance people are even worse. <laughs> So, uh, but the, there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there that's right in front of us. And the regulators have finally, um, in 2021, finally put forth some effort here uh, to help make this easier. 
So they, you know, they enacted last spring a marketing rule, which is being phased in that allowed for things such as testimonials. The, the other thing, you know, so for, you know, my entire life and, and, and yours, Ryan, that's been a prohibited thing. If a yep. client cannot tell you that they've had a good experience with you in a public forum, that's now fixed. Yeah. Um, the, but it comes with caveats as rules and things to follow. The, the other key thing is we used to have rules around every type of communication had its own rule. So if you want to send a mass email, here's the rule you have to follow. If you want to post something on a website, here's a rule you have to follow. If you have a blog, here's the rule. If you have the, you know, a fact sheet, here's the rule. Yep. The SEC did a really good job uh, laying the framework to say, look, you know, get out there and market yourself. The rules are now uniform. It's simple. All advertising communication must be truthful. It must be accurate. And it can't omit any material facts. And we don't the, the medium that it goes out on is not is not the is not the issue. Relevant. Yeah. 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 So it that's that's really helping. Um, what advisors need to do there is, you know, really spend some time to develop a strategy and and you know and look to see how are you going to have a you, you know a multi-pronged and consistent strategy where all the pieces seem uniform. Um, and and I think the, the, again the larger firms are we're seeing the larger firms tend to do that. There's also a lot of partners out there um, that allow uh, that that are enabling the advisors not only partners out there that offer various collateral and other tools, but even partners like yourselves that that provide platform services and investment management and related services to help advisors where they can. Um, educate themselves, repurpose content that you might make available, yep. so they can use this to, you know, show their clients that you know it's 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 not you know three people in a room here and that's our firm. Yep. It's, instead of us being part of a sixty thousand uh, a sixty thousand person firm before yep. that had a big logo, it's now you know we might be driving the charge, driving driving the bus here. But we've surrounded ourselves with the best of breed from every angle, and this is better risk management for you. It's better, you know, value for you as a client. And by the way, it's helping your advisor, who you know and trust, build a real business as opposed to being an employee somewhere. Yeah, and I, and I like where you went with that. I think that marketing role, you know, for both our core business as far as wealth management clients and the advisors that we partner with, you know, that is something that we are working on and working with them. Um, and, and I was, I mean, you know, probably being a little cryptic about how I said it, but was thinking I can remember working with and being in the room with prospective clients, you know, even highlighting, you know, as a differentiator, right? I think that's what we're all searching for as advisors, you know, the, the, the sort of compliance side of the business as, hey, you know, not everyone at different times throughout the industry, right, has these resources. And to you, Mr. and Mrs. Prospective Client, you know, this is something that should matter, right? You're investing in, in you know, obviously what we do from an investment philosophy standpoint, but it's also, I think, you know, the firm itself, right? In the practice or the business or whatever you want to say. So, I mean, I would even, that's sort of what I was thinking with it. Um, and I don't know, maybe is that something you've seen other firms highlight as, you know, a differentiator or, or some sort of benefit for prospective clients or no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I and we we encourage people to do that. And 
the, you know, the, the simple thing too, is it is it actually ties back into, uh, you know, compliance and running the firm is it's not that there are different rules that were preventing them from doing this in the other firm, yeah. but, but think about this from a different standpoint uh, in the prior firm, the management ownership and compliance had to think of how do we get, how do we set a framework so that 14,000 unrelated non-owners and different offices yeah. can follow something that we can make sure they don't do something wrong. Yeah. Right. So when you have that restrictive common denominator, the answer usually is, well, no, but you know, <laughs> you push us really hard. We can get to a maybe in limited circumstances. I, I think the key thing here is now is you still have the same rules to follow, but you're, but you're only framing it around what you do and how you're trying to run your business what your investment philosophy and processes, what value added services you can deliver to the client and who your, you know, who your partners are that make up, you know, the dream team for delivering for your RIA. Got and, it. And I, and I think that simplification really, really helps. Yeah. And, and I, when I, I sort of, uh, you know, as we're brainstorming, right, the transparency around it and the just sort of simplicity of it in some ways, right. Versus more of a corporate model. Absolutely. Um, and I'm just, you know, I don't want to take up too much of the time going down that rabbit hole. I think one of the things that, you know, in addition to technology that uh, we probably all in the industry um, in different parts of it, you know, or just in more general life, I've heard a lot about in the past few years is things like values-based impact or ESG investing. You know, how um, should advisors be thinking about those things if they haven't already you know, implemented a solution with them or if they're crafting a solution or they're thinking of partnering with someone, sort of how does that intersect with with what you do and, and what you see going on with advisors right now? Sure. Well, you know, one of the key things advisors are really trying to do in differentiating themselves, it's, it's not only, you know, the ability to uh, present, craft and, and have better portfolio solutions, but also, you know, meet the ideals of their of their clients. Uh the one of the key things that we're we're working quite a bit with our advisors are uh, is really setting a good due diligence framework around investments, managers, and products that they utilize. Got it. And and, and it's and it's interesting in that you know it's not an administrative like at first glance you can think of it like oh all right one more just one more thing that we have to do, but if you take it from the perspective of you know, educating the team, educating the client, what a lot of firms are doing to have impact there is they're, they're going to their partners that, you know, they utilize as a, an SMA strategy and getting tidbits and information. They're tying it back into their marketing. They're, they're, they're basically putting up, putting out updates and, and using it as part of client meetings. Um, so having that due diligence in having it as part of the natural framework of what they do are making the advisors more knowledgeable uh, advisors and portfolio managers, just depending on their structure. Uh, so we, we're encouraging firms to have a, have a discipline um, around going out and, and reviewing and analyzing the, the, the markets, the marketplace, the managers you utilize, the partners that are assisting you and not just, calling due diligence something you stick in a file in case a regulator comes. Yeah. And obviously, you know, that I'm sure some of that, just thinking from our own experience, you know, comes down to like you highlighted a few times, right? Size and resources and, and all that stuff. Are there, you know, I don't know, best practices that you have for maybe let's, let's target sort of smaller firms or newer firms 
just sure. that they can start to implement? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, one simple thing is, you know, we're, we're not encouraging people to, you know, make their firms so um, compliance heavy and bureaucratic that, you know, they're, they're an administrative firm that might get to do a little advisory work along the way. But, but rather, you know, if, if you've spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes analyzing something, well, get value out of it, right? So that, that can be just regulatory value and proving that you actually did it. Yeah. Um, that can be value in translating like, well, what do, I've learned this today. What, what do I want to convey to my, to my network, um, whether it's uh, something on social media or what do I want to convey to my uh, subset of my, my, my clients and my pipeline of prospects whether it's you know an educational component or something that ties into our investment philosophy and process, so we're encouraging people to get you know to take things in you know anything worth doing is worth integrating into you know the the long term value of the firm. Um, you know, of course, there are things we have to do because we're just told to do it. But <laughs> yeah. to the extent that we can make some get some value out of those exercises, that's what we're trying to encourage people. To, to do as much as they can. Awesome. Awesome. And that works for a small firm as well as a big firm. You know, it's we're, we're, everybody's sitting there staring at their screen for a good part of every day, you know, get something out of that other than a loss of eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we feel that at ours to share an experience with the listeners out there, um, you know, when it comes down to process. I think that's what you're saying, right? If you're, you can advertise at the process or not advertise to, to be careful with words, but, you know, that can be a part of the value. Right. That that is a good thing in and of itself from many different ways, you know, investment way, but also, you know, compliance in that sense. Absolutely. Well, great, Chris. Um, I just want to say thank you. You know, it's been great to meet you and and uh, get to know you a little bit through doing this. We really hope that you come back um, to the podcast at some point. Um, so we appreciate everything you do for us and, and for the industry as a whole. Thank you very much. I would be delighted. Awesome. Well, for the audience, you've been listening again to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. If you have any questions about this program or about Chris that you'd like to follow up on, please feel free to reach out to us at fouradvisors at congresswealthadvisorssolutions.com and we'll try to get you some answers or get you in touch with Chris. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.